This is Rick Jones of Fishbait Marketing, and it's another one of those hot and muggy summer dog days here in Charleston. But the good news is we're on the water, coming to you from the bridge. We have another interesting show for you today as we discuss qualifying sales leads and prospects. Our guest angler is the talented and beautiful Lisa Murray, Chief Marketing Officer at Octagon, and I'm looking forward to our discussion about a number of things. We'll have yet another Tuesday tip in our On the Road with Rick feature. Lots to cover today, so let's get right to it. We're going to continue our discussion about selling, and we'll focus today on the next step, and that step is qualifying prospects. Qualifying is using both external resources, namely research, along with internal sources to pre-qualify and predetermine the level of interest and appetite a potential sponsor may have, including funding sources, amounts available, and timing. Let's start with the external resources. When we had Jack Birch on several weeks ago, he mentioned that he always starts uh, with a uh, search and a reading of a prospect's annual report. You can learn so much from an annual report. Things like what are their business priorities and what's important to the CEO because either he or she or someone on their staff has written something from the CEO in the annual report. You will also find out what new products are in development, maybe what threats there are to the business, and lots of other great things in that report. You'll also learn their fiscal calendar. I know that in most, if not all cases, companies don't have any discretionary income to spend during a current fiscal year. So you need to know when the next round of spending planning will occur for the next fiscal year. After you read the annual report, you can then Google the company and read what other publications are saying about that company. Then you need to do the same thing with their primary competitors. Go get an annual report of their competitors and see how they compare. Google their competitors and find out what people are saying so that you begin to look at the differential between their brand and other brands in a similar category. The next thing you can do is search on LinkedIn to see details about their key personnel, those people that will be involved with making those marketing decisions. If you sold to that person before, I hope you're uh, using a, a, a filing system, kind of like our McKay 66 questionnaire that we talked about earlier. Another thing to look at is the timing of the person that's going to make the decision. I find that anytime you get a new person in the job, they're looking for new things. And that's a great time to get to them. I usually try to send a note immediately to someone that's gotten a new job tell them congratulations, and then I'd like to give them about 60 days to get comfortable in their job and then come see them. And most of the time they agree to that. They, they agree to the fact that I've given them some breathing time to kind of find out where the bathroom is at their new job and find out what's going on uh, before I come in and, and talk to them a little bit about the business. The next thing you need to do is evaluate every other sponsorship that prospect is doing. You know, we talked earlier about icing, about putting icing on the cupcake. Can you find out if they're already doing something? Maybe they're already a sponsor of college basketball. 
And so you're going to bring them an asset related to college basketball. We talked about balancing. Are they doing something heavily in men's sports that they need to balance it with some women's sports? Um, So you can determine through a lot of research about what they're currently spending to see if your expectations, your funding expectations are in the same ballpark. At that point, then you start turning to internal resources. And the most important internal resource is what I call the mole. The mole is that person uh, that's inside that company that can tell you really what's going on. And the mole is maybe the most valuable asset to successfully selling anything. And so once you find that person that you trust, you need to nurture them, protect them, and reward them. Because the mole will cut through a whole lot of clutter and let you know whether something can or cannot happen. Now, I like to make a list of every prospect that makes sense for the property I'm selling. I try to make this a deep and comprehensive list. Then I like to work product categories. I like to go deep in a category. For example, if I'm trying to find a beer sponsor, I'm going to be talking to Constellation. I'm going to be talking to Heineken. I'm going to be talking to Anheuser-Busch. I'm going to be talking to Miller Coors. I'm going to try to go deep in the category. Same thing for someone like insurance companies. You know, if you're going after a property and casualty insurance company, you need to be talking to Allstate and State Farm and Geico and Nationwide and Progressive and so on and so on and so on. I keep a file on my desk on each property I'm trying to sell and the list of the prospects that I have for that specific property. I told you earlier about my 555 system where I've got five that I'm trying to marry, five that I'm dating, and five that I'm winking. Well, once I need to put someone new on the wink list, they're already in the file. I just go to the file and say, what property do I need to add more prospects to? And I add that to my wink list. Let's take, for example, the Grand Ole Opry, one of our clients. I have a list of over 40 companies right now. I feel that the Opry is perfect for them. So I have a pool to go back to in my sales process. I also do two other pre-qualifying things. And let me give you some context around that. Historically, when I've sold sponsorships, I have sold about a third of those annually directly to corporations, about a third through one of their agency partners, usually a sports and entertainment marketing agency, and a third through a media partner like CBS or Turner or ESPN. So the two things that I like to do to pre-qualify is Every year, I'll visit the leading sports marketing agencies like Octagon or MKTG or GMR or Bespoke, lots of others, to show them what we've got, you know, what's in our tackle box, what kind of assets we've got, what kind of properties we represent. I also try to do about a dozen companies that have bought from me historically to do the same thing every year, to come in and say, I'd like a half hour of your time just to catch up and show you what I'm doing and to learn a little bit about new things uh, at your company. And so those two things help me pre-qualify. 
because an agency may say, hey, Rick, we got a new client. They're very interested in music. Let's talk about some options in country music. Uh, or a corporation may say, hey, we've got a new initiative that we're after, a certain uh, targeted segment, and uh, you may have some properties and, and assets that would reach that segment for us. Um, for media companies, the best thing that can ever happen to us is for them to send me what we call an agency brief, a media brief. A company will say, this is what we're trying to do with our media. And then I'm there again trying to not sell them a cupcake, but sell them icing on a cupcake. They're going to make a commitment to college football from a media standpoint. Can I sell them an asset that makes that work even better. We talked earlier on one of our programs about fidelity and how I had gotten a brief from ESPN about the Rose Bowl. Um, and, and yet they ended up not buying the Rose Bowl, but they bought the idea that I brought to them um, from that brief. Um, here's another great story about a brief. We've talked a lot uh, recently about the Olympic Games. And then the 1996 Olympic Games, um, Advantage International, um, which became Octagon uh, at the time, had BMW as a client, still has BMW as a client. Um, well, the brief had nothing to do with the Atlanta Olympic Games. The brief was the Americanization of the brand. Okay, BMW, traditionally a German uh, company, headquartered in Munich, was building cars in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And so they no longer wanted to be perceived as a foreign car, but rather as a domestically uh, manufactured car, especially in the Southeast. And so the brief was really about the Americanization of the brand. Now, we took advantage of a very unique situation. I had talked in an earlier episode about Billy Payne and his dream for bringing the Olympic Games to Atlanta. Well, Billy had determined once he got the games that he was going to get about $60 million out of the domestic car category. And so in that, in that era, you would have a domestic car sponsor and an international car sponsor. So Billy decided that he was going to approach General Motors first. A guy named Phil Gracio was running a GM at the time, the marketing there. And Billy went up to try to secure his $60 million. Well, when he got there, the first thing Phil told him was, Billy, I want you to know that we've already done a deal with NBC, the broadcast partner of the games, and we are going to be the exclusive domestic car advertiser of the games. That's called a checkmate move. Because at that point, if Billy sold it to Ford or to Dodge Chrysler, they couldn't advertise in the broadcast of the games. And so Billy told him that he wanted $60 million. I think they ended up settling on six because, like I said, he was checkmated. So I knew that story. And I realized that maybe the best thing for the Americanization of the brand for BMW was to be part of the Olympic Games in Atlanta. And knowing that, we made an interesting uh, observation. General Motors, largely Chevrolet, had always been the lead car on the torch relay. And if you know anything about the torch relay, that's where it travels around the country and people carry an Olympic torch for about a mile and then they hand the torch to somebody else. Well, every time you do that on a street, 
it's preceded by an automobile. And in previous years, it had been preceded by a Chevrolet. Well, when we went to negotiate the Olympic sponsorship, and my buddy Bob Heisner, who's been on the show earlier, was really responsible for this, a key ingredient was that the lead car of the torch relay would be a BMW. Not only a BMW, but a red, white, and blue painted BMW from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Well, Billy Payne had been screwed by General Motors, and he was very happy to accept those terms. It made GM really, really mad, but hey, business is business. Um, And so this is a great case of an agency brief ultimately leading to a brilliant idea and a brilliant activation element that really did pay off the Americanization of the BMW brand. In all cases, whether I'm talking to a company or to an agency or to a media partner, I always try to bring something of value to them, some sort of insider information, some sort of analysis or a point of view on an issue, maybe even some competitive information that you've discovered. The better you qualify, the more success you will have. Now, here's today's Tuesday tip. When I hire someone, I like to recruit what I call a personality profile. I'm looking for somebody that has played a team sport been a member of the marching band, or maybe it's been in a play at some point. You know, our educational system's kind of interesting. Why do small children play together? They do a great job, and then something terrible happens. They go off to first grade, and their teacher says, "Uh, Billy, we do our own work here. And so for the next several decades, they're told to do their own work. Uh, But the truth is, when you get out into a job, you have to not do your own work. You have to learn to play together. And I think um, being a member of a team sport or being a member of the marching band or being in a play, something where you have to be part of a group, is just essential, especially in the agency world, uh, for your continued success. I also know that I believe the single greatest thing to develop female leaders was passing of the Title IX legislation back in 1972. That legislation did a lot of things for women, but one of the things it gave them were equal opportunities to compete in sports. And the proof is clearly in the pudding. Our success of our Women's World Cup team recently and other female athletes shows that Title IX was a great facilitator for women to be more successful. It's also done the same for women in the business of sports and entertainment. Women who've competed in a sport are the profile I'm looking for because they have the right stuff, and you should be looking for them too. Speaking of the right stuff, my guest angler today is Lisa Murray. Lisa and I go way, way back to 1985 when we were both working at Conan Wolf, a PR firm in Atlanta. Um, There's a great story behind that. I had left... Uh, Conan Wolf, and she still remained there, and I had started my own uh, agency and had gone off to uh, San Antonio and run the Nabisco Golf Championships and then moved back to Atlanta. And in the process of moving back to Atlanta, we uh, competed for the Frito-Lay South Region business. Uh, 
And uh, at that point, we we made our pitch to a woman named Ellie Canals. Ellie was the uh, the consultant that was hired to find them an agency. She actually was the wife of Don Canals, who was at that time was the regional vice president of sales for Frito-Lay. Don later became uh, the CEO of both Minute Maid and later Clorox. Uh, Don was a West Point graduate and a, a great, great business mind. But his wife, Ellie, was very, very talented too. So we we did the pitch and Lance Hill, who worked with me, and Kayleen Middleton, who worked with me, we all were part of that pitch. And when we got through, um, Ellie said, uh, well, this is great, uh, Rick. Uh, we think y'all are the right agency. Now, I know Kayleen runs the Nabisco business. Who's going to run our business? And I said, uh, without missing a beat, well, Lisa Murray will. She she couldn't be here today. Well, the truth is, Lisa didn't work for me yet at the time. So I went back to the office and called Lisa and said, Lisa, we need to have breakfast. And she said, yeah, yeah, we'll get together soon. I said, no, we need to have breakfast tomorrow. And so we had breakfast. She went back to the office and quit and uh, became my partner uh, at the strategic group. Uh, and then in 1994, uh, we actually sold the business to Advantage International. Uh, and then Advantage was bought and became part of Interpublic Group uh, as Octagon. And Lisa has stayed at Octagon for over 25 years and is one of the leading females in sports and entertainment marketing. She's worked on major sponsorship programs for people like MasterCard, Allstate, Cisco, and a myriad of others. And she now finds herself both working and developing the young people at Octagon and also promoting the successes of Octagon. So let's uh, welcome a true pioneer to the bridge, Lisa Murray. Hey, dear, welcome to The Bridge. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be here talking to you. Well, let's talk a little bit about your professional journey. I know you were raised in Stony Brook on Long Island. You went to Delaware. You're a blue hen. Uh, and then we met first when you got to Atlanta and Conan Wolf. But what'd you do? What'd you major in in college? And uh, what was your first job? Well, as any sports marketer um, majors in, I was a home economics major. <laughs> And I took courses in food and nutrition, child care, textiles, um, but I really wanted to be uh, in consumer affairs and save the world from bad products and be Ralph Nader. And when I graduated, I learned you had to get a law degree, and I was not um, ventured to be a lawyer. So I stayed in consumer affairs, and I worked in a store that only a few people remember, which is Gimbel's, and I... Um, regulated their advertising. And I was the bad guy and I had 350 departments. And I would go to make sure if jeans were on sale from $30 down to $19.99. I made sure that they were once really $30. It was a horrific job. I made $9,800 a year and commuted five hours a day. I remember the great scene in Miracle on 42nd Street about uh, Gimbel's versus Macy and the Battle of Santa Claus and all that. Uh, so gimbals, wow! You're, now you're really dating yourself, dear. And that's uh, okay. Yeah. I am 61 years old. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So after commuting five hours a day, and one of my roommates, uh, Blue Hen from college, said she was moving to Atlanta. I'd said that's great. My mother said you must go, and so I I put everything I owned in a Mazda GLC, and we drove to Atlanta. And um, 
I was a temp and I worked for a temporary agency and then I got let go and then I cried and she hired me back. And then I saw an ad in the newspaper for an assistant in the marketing department for Days Inn's corporate headquarters. And I was a receptionist there for quite a while. And then um, after about three years, I uh, then saw an ad in the newspaper to be assistant manager of PR and promotions at Six Flags Over Georgia. And Spurgeon was there. Was Spurgeon there then? Spurgeon was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. What and a great guy. I, what a great yeah. guy. What a great property. I loved, loved, loved that job. And as the story goes, I was employee of the month. And then... Um, I was laid off after two years. And then uh, Conan Wolf was my PR agency. And so um, Lynn Brockman hired me, um, actually hired me and then said, no, I can't. And um, I said, no, you must, because I already <laughs> have a job. And she said, OK. And there we go. And then I met a man in the next cube uh, next to me. And that was you. Well, you worked on uh, Chick-fil-A, I remember. Uh, you were doing all kinds of store openings uh, long before the cows. I think it was Doodles, the chicken mascot. And, and um, you know, we did. We had great clients at Cone Wolf. And, you know, Cone was crazy, but he was a genius. Uh, and it was a, a fascinating time. And, and of course, then I, I met you, then I left, and then I hired you before you knew I had hired you. And uh, I told that story earlier. You know, once we got together, the real, I guess, the catapult for our agency and, and for both of our careers was Willie winning the MasterCard business. And I, I've told this story to to a lot of people. I actually gave a speech in Barcelona, Spain, uh, right before the Olympic Games in 92, and Mava Heffler was the speaker before me. She She was coming off an agency gig with Johnson & Johnson, where she talked about a program she had created called Shelter Aid, which was one of the first battered women's shelter cause marketing programs I'd ever seen. And she did the case study and did a great job. And after she did it, she walked off the stage and she actually turned to Jim Andrews from IEG and said, is this next guy any good? And I was the next guy. And, and thank God Jim Andrews said, yeah, you ought to hear Rick Jones. And and I spoke, and I came off the stage, and she said, can we have a cup of coffee? And we went and had a cup of coffee, and she said, nobody knows this, but I started MasterCard on Monday, and I've got this thing called the World Cup. I have no idea what it is. Um, and that led us to ultimately, through a long, long process, winning the MasterCard business. And obviously, the key to our success was you, because you, you ran the account so brilliantly, and we did so many great things. But I, I've said this, Lisa, a lot. You know, what makes great agencies is great clients. And and she was the best client I ever had. I, I, she was just like a why not gal. <laughs> Tell me about her and your relationship with her and all the great things that we were able to do. Well, um, MasterCard, I do give all the credit and, and to you and many at Octagon, but um, for my career. And when you say great clients, that truly is the formula for great work and she and so many others at MasterCard and I have to say so many of my clients give you the freedom to uh, create and do uh, while paying attention to the parameters of their of their corporate values and, and objectives and all of that so 
so many clients just um, want you to do exactly what they want you to do, and and then why, why pay us? But but Mava and and really, I'm so blessed with all the clients that I have. Give you that ability to do what what you get paid for. And yes, you have to um, be flexible, and you have to change, and budget is is a um, element to this, and so many other things have to to come into place. But to have that partnership. It was never an agency client relationship. It was a partnership. It was a family. It was give and take. And when you do that partnership, the best of both parties rise above. Yeah. She, she, she was great about giving you the right to be wrong. I mean, you know, you could fail. I remember I did a dumbass thing with formula one with MasterCard. It was just idiotic. And, 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 and she never, she just, no problem. We learn, move on, you know, and that and that's pretty rare today. Uh, but I tell a lot of young people, you don't learn from success, you learn from failure, and and she allowed it. At the same time, we had we had great success. the The World Cup program was the first program written up by the Harvard Business Review uh, as a sponsorship program, and I'm I'm still very very proud of that. And um, it was just an interesting interesting time. Now you've been with Octagon now twenty five plus years. And I'm I'm just amazed at what I call the sustained excellence at Octagon. Y'all get clients, you keep clients, um, and I think it's a tribute to uh, continuity. While you have a lot of new people, you've had a lot of people stay. I also think it's a a, a big reason is Rick Dudley's leadership. He's he's a guy that I have great admiration for. Feel like he's probably the best agency head I've ever seen. You've worked for him for a long time. What, what makes him so special? And what, what do you think has, has contributed to Octagon's sustained excellence? Yeah. Um, one thing I'm going to comment on just what you said before is um, people don't take risks as much as they used to. And when you and I were younger, when we had MasterCard in those early years, we were allowed to take risks. And what I think today in corporate America is too bad is, is people are afraid to take even small risks. You don't have to spend a lot of money. I think testing programs and see where it can take you are so valuable. And unfortunately, I think we're living in a world of, of being as safe as possible to keep jobs. And, and, and um, I, I think that's a shame. And I, I don't know what how that evolved, but that's one thing I wanted to say. I I have had two fabulous bosses in my life. One is Rick Jones, and the other one is Rick Dudley. And um, Rick allows you to take risks. Um, he manages with gravitas uh, and the calmness that um, you feel good about. We have always wanted to make this agency a place where you come, quote unquote, home. It's tough enough out there. It's tough enough with your clients and the properties and the execution and living the life that we lead as fabulous as this career is. But when you come again home, we want this to be collaborative and supportive and creative. And um, that DNA is something that I feel so proud of. And I can go to any Octagon offices around the world and there is this DNA and I don't know how we do it, but these people are service oriented, client first, dedicated, trustworthy, um, humble perfectionists. And, uh, 
that's that's who we are. Well, you, well, it's work because you you do keep clients and you keep clients that have client turnover. You know, I mean, it's not like you've got a client and it's been the same client for twenty years. I mean, every time I turn around, it's like somebody new is at a is at the client. And in, in order to maintain that, I think that's a real tribute. You know, I told Charlotte when when I visited with you recently uh, in your new or relatively new office in, in Stanford, I, I called her and I said, the thing that I noticed most was, was what I called light. You know, you, 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 the light that everybody's got, the light shining off that harbor. And I thought it was, it was kind of analytical to what you've said uh, uh, about, um, about the light that shines your home. Uh, it was a very warm environment. I've been in a lot of agency headquarters, and warm is not a word I use very much uh, about those, and yet y'all had that. I even like the fact you had Octagon on your coffee cups and on your plates, and I just thought it said a lot about your brand that I, I think is pretty interesting. And it's hard today, I think, to build a brand as an agency, but y'all have been able to do that. I think we have. I truly think we've had. And when you talked about the turnover of our clients, when that happens and you do have somebody new, we all get a little bit nervous. But for those clients that, that we have been with so long, we we are in the fabric of that corporation, not just that person as much as we usually love that person. But we, we are ingrained in, into that company. So it's, you know, A, it's kind of hard to dismiss us but we we know so much and um we have dedicated our lives to this company that very rarely do they say you know thanks but no thanks well you've had an amazing career and you've been had the opportunity to travel the world and go to a lots and lots of of events both sporting events and entertainment events what 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 would be your favorite event and, and why um I think, even though this this also dates me, in 1996, it was the European Championships in England, if you remember, and that was this perfect, I don't want to say it's a perfect storm because there was nothing negative. It was just the best. And the reason it was the best was our client, again, it was MasterCard, who had a healthy budget really um, point on objectives, exactly what they wanted to get out of this event. Um, It was a perfect blend of sports and entertainment. We did concerts with The Who at the same time as opening ceremonies. It had cause. It had every element in the marketing cycle. Um, The agency partners, there were so many different agencies, was a family. The client and us were a family. And it was brilliant and using a word that they use in the UK often for normal stuff to me, this was brilliant and uh, absolutely loved the event. And um, that, that is the pivotal one, but you know what? You could throw me in front of a NASCAR race or a PGA tournament or a small youth soccer event, whatever it is. And I love it. And as long as we have exceeded our clients expectations to me, that is a great day. So I don't always need the big things. Um, just those little things that meet the objectives of the clients is a, is a good job. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about women in the business. Um, you know, this was such a male-dominated business when we both got got started. Rarely did you see 
you know, females in senior, senior positions. Um, and, and, and yet, thankfully, that's changed. You know, I, I've told people before that when I was at Advantage, the joke was we, you were either one of Harlan Stone's boys or you're one of Rick Jones's girls because I liked – I felt like women did a better job. They checked their ego. They, they, they were more collaborative. But you've, you've, you've had a, been a great uh, role model for so many women at Octagon and other places. Talk a little bit about the impact that women have had in the, in the sponsorship business. Um, well, first, a very funny story. When you first hired me – and you said, you know, you really need to get to know the business of sport a little bit more. I said, oh, no, absolutely. So just to make you crazy, I would take Cosmopolitan and um, put it on the inside of the Sports Business Journal. And you'd go, oh, my gosh, that's great. You're reading Sports Business Journal. But then I had Cosmo on the inside and then you would just, you know, roll your eyes. But that was <laughs> I, I, again... I never took this whole male-female thing seriously. I, I always thought if you did a great job, male or female, you were going to do well. And I was hell-bent on doing a great job. You allowed me to go anywhere, do anything. I, I you, took, you sent me to the Middle East. I went to Hong Kong. I went anywhere. It didn't matter whether I was male or female because I had a job to do. So there's certainly women who have been inhibited by being female. I was not one of them. And I know there are horrible stories, and I am very sympathetic. I was fortunate to have leadership that allowed me to, again, exceed expectations. And I do like to think that no matter what career you have, if you are great, most of the time it should serve you well. Let's talk about that for a little bit more, because I, I I am worried now. I'm I'm dating myself and acting like a fossil, but you know it it, it takes a little more effort to be great than good. You know, good work is not good enough, and and we both believe that. Do you feel like today that there's still the drive by folks that you work with to really really be great? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I think what you and I are both experiencing is great can be achieved. What we think great is, is hard, hard work, being out there, go, 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 go. That's the only thing we know. But what, what we're not as um, open to is that great work can be achieved without that intensity. And I, you know, when we have um, summer Fridays or people can work remotely, right? People can work from anywhere. In our old fashioned brains, we're going, hmm, I I hope they're working. But people are achieving great things, but in a different way. So you and I in our 60s have to be a bit more open to how people are working because it doesn't mean greatness isn't being achieved. It's being achieved in a, in a, in a way that we're not used to. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, when we moved to Wadmalaw 19 years ago now, which is crazy, um, I, you know, I decided at that point if I was going to live on an island, if you work for me, you could pretty much live where you wanted to live and work where you wanted to live. And so we've been a virtual agency, you know, for the last, geez, 19 years. 
Um, and, and it takes a level of trust um, that you're measuring outputs and not inputs. And we do have a saying, I gave t-shirts away a few years ago that said, we don't check homework for adults. Um, and, and so you got to surround yourself with adults that be able to do that. Uh, but I, but I agree with you and I, I hope the people that are listening today realize that, you know, there's more than one way to, to do anything. You know, everybody thinks this is the only way. Well, that's not true. There, there's a bunch of ways to do things and you got to find the ways that work for people beyond your way. I remember years ago, I would say my ways are trailways. Now I say that people don't even know what trailways is. Uh, uh, they, you know, it's kind of like gimbals. Yeah, uh, you used to say if you don't, I never understand if you don't come in on Friday. Saturday, on no. If you don't come in on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday either. I mean, it's like, come on. If you're not going to work both days, don't bother. Uh, I still believe that you can be successful working half days. It doesn't matter whether it's the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours, but uh, but nevertheless. But I think you got to work hard and play hard. But speaking of great, you recently got a great honor uh, from Wise being recognized. And, and I thought while it was very, very sad, it was also very poignant and very appropriate that it was the day that that – of Christy Atkins' funeral, and and she had worked for you and learned so much from you, and and it felt like you were such a mentor for her. But, but talk about Wise and what it meant to be to be recognized, because I know you've never been one. And I'm going to say this to everybody that's listening: Lisa's never been about Lisa, ever, never, ever. It's never been about you. It's always been about the work. It's always been about the team. But I was very proud of you for getting that honor, and I know you had to be proud of it too. Uh, thank you. It was a special day. I've, I've been involved in WISE for quite a while. Um, Kathy Francis does a beautiful job of running the organization as, as a volunteer. And um, I'm, I like to be a mentor. Um, I have so many mentees that, I, that are my dear friends. Um, so it was an honor. And, and you're right, it wasn't uh, something... I like to talk. I don't even like talking about it, but I took it seriously. I took my speech very seriously. I'm looking at the trophy right now with a picture of Christy that's taped on the front of it. Uh, and um, I, it, you know what? It gave me the ability to communicate how grateful I am for this career, how grateful I am for the people I worked for with my clients and I was able to communicate that. So even though I am not retiring anytime soon, I felt it was my ability to say thank you. And um, what a great, what a great ride, what a great career. And one of the things I said in my speech was uh, em embrace what we're able to do for a living. And there, nothing wrong with the bank teller, nothing wrong with working for the post office. It's great, but this, this is a wow career. And uh, that acknowledgement for that award gave me the ability to say thank you to everybody involved um, for this career. Well, your career's not over uh, by any stretch of the matter, but what, what else do you want to accomplish? What, what's, what's on your kind of professional bucket list still? Well, my husband certainly doesn't want me to retire. I can tell you that much. I, I can I can assure you, my wife does not either. Dating is a good thing. <laughs> um, what is next? Um, well, again, I love being a senior female in this industry and 
however I can help other females, whether they're my clients or they work at Octagon or these other seven agencies that um, I work with, that is all good. Um, I still work for clients. That's my motivation. And um, I love doing the new business. And really, I, I just keep on keeping on. And Global is so special. And I love working outside of the United States. Qatar is the next World Cup, which has its challenges. It does come back to the United States, which makes me happy. Um, but I do love working in other countries. So um, you never know where I'm going to go. Well, that's fun. Well, Lisa, lots of folks, you know, say they want to get into the business. I, I will say this. I, somebody said to me the other day, they said, you know, Rick, I want to do what you do. And I said, that's great, but do you want to do what I did to do what I do? Uh, you know, a lot of times people don't want to do the did. <laughs> uh, but but if you were giving words of wisdom to folks that want to break into the business, what would you tell them? Uh. Um, I would tell them, or, or what I tell people I wish I had done to be better at what I've done is, is understand the business, understand, um, you actually, you used to do this when, when we would get Frito-Lay as an account or UPS, get on the truck, go to the grocery store, understand not just the sports business. That's, that's, you do need to learn that, but understand your client's business, because unless you do that, you're just pushing tickets around. So um, get the background of the properties, understand their objectives, understand the objectives of your clients, or if you work for a client, your own, and putting those two things, marrying those two things together, magic can happen. But it's a lot of research. It's a lot of, you know, not work, but it's just due diligence. I think it's due diligence. And you can't take the easy route. There is no easy route. You just have to dig in and, and really understand what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I tell everybody that anything worthwhile is uphill. You know, it just is. It's, it's, it's hard. Somebody said to me the other day, they felt like it was easier for my generation um, to pursue the American dream. And I had to laugh and say, it's never been easy for any generation to pursue the American dream. It's been hard. Every It's been hard. Can you imagine getting off a boat and not speaking a lick of English in Ellis Island and, and, and figuring it out? I mean, people have figured it out, and it's been by being prepared, working hard, going the extra mile, doing those things. Well, this has been great stuff today, Lisa. Uh, thanks for being with us today from the bridge. I loved it, and I hope your listeners love it too. It's time to get back on the road with Rick. One of my favorite road food trip places is a place called Neptune's Net, just north of Malibu. It's on the Pacific Highway, still in Los Angeles County, but it's really, really close to the Ventura County line, so it's pretty far north. They've been in business since 1956. When you go there, you'll see a lot of motorcyclists gathered there, but it's not a biker bar. It's really a family-friendly kind of place. What they're known for is great West Coast seafood. You get in one of two lines. The first line is all about steamed seafood. They have clams, oysters, lobsters, shrimp, and Dungeness crabs. They also have fabulous salads and wonderful chowder. Then you get in the second line. 
That's where you can get fried and grilled seafood. Fish, shrimp, scallops, calamari, clams, fish and shrimp tacos. They have great coleslaw. They've got pretty good fries. They're not the best I've ever had, but there's a lot of them. But they also have really good onion rings and terrific sweet potato fries. You can get a cold beer, a glass of wine, maybe a soft drink. You eat everything on a picnic table, usually sitting with somebody that you've just met. It's really a true roadhouse along the California Coastal Highway. You should get there late afternoon to watch the sunset over the Pacific. It simply doesn't get any better than that. Neptune's Net. That's our show for today, and it was a good one. Thanks to my dear friend Lisa Murray for being a part of it. We hope to see you again next week from the bridge. This has been your captain, Rick Jones, from the bridge. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. Troubles behind